Vera Payne. It's no secret that today's economy is pretty unpredictable. While many of us would like to think we're prepared for any financial emergency, a lot of us are, in reality, often paralyzed by worry that we won't have enough money to cover our expenses if times get tough. Money psychology expert Richard Friesen discusses the effect financial anxiety can have on people and how to overcome it. Thanks for joining me, Richard. I'm glad to be here, and it feels good to, at least in remote, be back in Chicago. I lived on the near north side for a couple of years, and so what I found is the people in Chicago have a kind of a a warmth and an openness that is not as prevalent on the West Coast. Really? I'm kind of shocked about that. I thought people on the West Coast would be way more willing to, to speak to people. Well, my experience is you get into an elevator in Chicago and you talk to people and it's just like they are who they are. Whereas out here, we need to put on maybe a little bit of a veneer to impress people. So I always appreciate uh, being back in Chicago. I know one thing here in Chicago that we talk a lot about is our money. I'll talk about it with anybody, what my financial status is. And I know for a lot of people, though, there is that financial anxiety. But what is financial anxiety? Financial anxiety is is an obsessive fear of everything related to money. And this can often be debilitating. And just like any anxiety, what happens is we start to play a movie in our mind. We we play this movie, and oftentimes it's a movie we've played over and over again, and it creates an anxiety. So then you have to ask, <laughs> why do we play those movies that give us this anxiety? And this has to do with our survival mechanisms. We learn how to survive certain beliefs, certain attitudes, and we bring those into our lives so that we can survive them. And I know it's counterintuitive and most people don't believe me. So what I do and I suggest with my clients is that we become more aware of the movies that we have, what triggers these movies, what thoughts, because when we step into these movies of, and we get financially anxious, it affects our body, our physiology, our health, our relationships, our hope for the future. And those things, in fact, close off financial opportunities for us. Okay, so survival mechanisms. All right, I can buy that. But what are some of the causes of financial anxiety? I I would think to myself that my survival mechanisms wouldn't exactly want to give me this much anxiety over whether or not I should buy this Big Mac. What you bring up is getting down to the core of the issue. And we have a survival brain that was essential on the savannas in Africa when we were tribal, when the human race was just starting to develop. And we still have those parts of our brain in the lower parts of the brain. And what they do is they have a typical reaction that helps us If our physical survival is at stake, you know, the old thing of fight, flight, and freeze. Well, our survival mechanisms get used to a scenario that we can actually survive in. I have examples in my own life where I have recreated unpleasant situations that come from my childhood so that I can have the satisfaction of surviving them. So, If once we understand that 
we are creating this anxiety, that we're agents in it, and that it is often tied to something very deep, then we can start to heal and become more optimistic, look for opportunities, and develop self-awareness. Now, it sounds like you're talking about memories of the past. And obviously, if you're starting to think of things that happen in the past, something must have triggered it. What are the common triggers for financial anxiety? Well, this depends on exactly you know what happened in the past. So what you're bringing up is really important for people to become aware of. So, for example, if you grew up in a house where mom and dad fought over money, fought over finances, let's say one was a spender and one was a saver, or you grew up in a culture of resentment for wealth and success, or especially in today's age, we have this huge divide, political divide, that oftentimes money is the symptom of the different sides of this divide. So culturally, we have stress in our culture. We often have stress that we brought in from our family. We have peer groups that have strong opinions and we need to belong, so we don't want to upset those. So we bring in all those conflicts and we're trying to navigate them. A number of triggers, it's something from our past and family, something our dad said if somebody says it to it, or something our mom said, or something that uh, we believe very firmly about, we're angry about resentment or wealth. Any of those things can trigger some of the deepest feelings and mechanisms we have, and then we create this movie, we step into the movie, and in this movie, we have the financial anxiety. So again, if we're aware of what we're doing, we now can become agents and the producers of different movies in our life. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up social media because I have to know, do you think that social media intensifies feelings of inadequacy in regards to money? Well, if I look at Facebook and all my friends, all the pictures are of vacations and sunsets and Hawaii and food they're eating and with friends laughing and the boat they just bought and they look really happy, right? And so we look at this and say, oh my gosh, I find that I have some financial pain or I've lost hope in life or I'm really struggling. And we look at those and by the comparison, we feel bad, but we don't understand that <laughs> these are just top-level pictures of a few moments and that these people are just like us and often suffer the same anxieties and the same stress and the same unhappiness that we experience. But we make that comparison from our deepest feelings to those pretty pictures on Facebook. Now, is it possible to ever overcome these types of feelings in regards to money? Well, this is exactly where you're talking about, this is my home. And what I bring up is what I call the golden keys. And the first key is simply awareness. And we have what I call the set scores, where we do our sensations, our physical sensations. We go through our body. I have a thought. What happens in my body? What do I feel? Anger, if I feel sadness. What are our emotions? And then what are my thoughts? What movie am I creating with my thoughts? And once we have awareness, then the next step is acceptance. Oftentimes, we don't want to accept our emotions, especially the ones that feel destructive like anger or resentment. But what if we can just say, okay, I'm aware of them. I accept them. You don't necessarily have to approve of them, 
but just in that moment, say they are there. And then finally, we can say, now, how do I want to handle this? And that's agency. So we have awareness, acceptance, and agency that looks at, and it's a higher level that can notice all this stuff going on, but not be reactive to it. So the golden keys are awareness, acceptance, and then agency. And from that point, then you can say, now, what would I like? I like that, that you're saying that you have to change your mind and how you perceive money. I find that a lot of people have this negative idea of what money is. How can you as a person like try to change your perspective of it? You couldn't have asked a better question. I have in my book, A Private Conversation with Money, the concept of certificates of appreciation. If you just want money, and let's say the typical definition of greed, and you're just trying to get money, and you're trying to manifest money, or you just want more money, that then is disconnected from the value you're delivering to others. So certificates of appreciation. So for example, if you do a service for somebody, provide a product, and they give you money, what they're saying is, thank you. Here is a certificate of appreciation. If, on the other hand, you're purchasing any, anything from the a grocery store even or a car mechanic or somebody who's fixing something in your house or providing something that's beautiful for you, you give them not money but a certificate of appreciation. And we have an exercise in the book that says you actually give them the certificate of appreciation and say, thank you. Here's a certificate of appreciation. Now, what this does is changes a fundamental belief about money. When we associate it with delivering value, then all of a sudden, all those conflicts about wealth, success, and having money disappear because when we look at our bank account, we say, ah, look at all those certificates of appreciation that represent the value I have delivered to my employer, my employees, uh, my clients, my business associates, I have provided that much value. And as a result, now we can respect that money as a certificate of appreciation from a much higher and even a spiritual level. I can appreciate that. I think to myself of how many times I've helped my father do things. And I think this is just his way of showing appreciation. He'll give me cash. And I'll be like, no, dad, you don't have to give me anything. He's like, no, 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 Mason, you deserve it. And that was his way of showing his appreciation for the task that I, that I did. That is an excellent example of creating an emotional bond and appreciation and at the same time receiving those certificates of appreciation. That couldn't be a better example than that, Mason. But I can't help but think of other times where people aren't satisfied with the money. Is it because they think they're not being appreciated enough for their, the value of their work? Sure. I can say, you're not appreciating me enough. What do I feel when I say those words? I feel resentment. Mason, you don't appreciate what I'm doing on this show for you. <laughs> but what's the feeling with that? My body shifts, my stomach gets tightened. Yeah. What if, on the other hand, I say, how can I deliver more value to you, my employer? That then now I am in charge of my experience. Rather than needing you to make me okay, I'm making me okay. Now, we have boundaries. 
I mean, there are certain situations that we need to take care of ourselves where somebody, in fact, doesn't appreciate us or abuses us or has taken advantages of, of us or isn't being honest and all those things because the human condition isn't perfect. Well, then we can say, I appreciate myself and I'm going to take care of myself. But if we make the shift from you're not appreciating me to how can I deliver you more value, then, as I mentioned, that's agency. We're now in charge of our own movie. So this whole idea of taking charge of how you perceive money, how long does it take for you to even change your perspective? Oh, my gosh. For me, it was drip, drip, drip over a bunch of years. But having gone through that process the hard way, I've had clients who go through a couple of sessions, grasp the awareness that they need. They, uh, they got the awareness of the internal conflicts. They see certificates of appreciation and money in the whole new way. And they'll call me up the next day and say, the boss gave me a raise. And the reason is that they've shifted their attitude. And that attitude shifts, that agency shift, that it's, it's almost like magic. I don't believe it is magic or woo-woo, but that attitude shift creates a different world for you and the people around you. Now, I've actually read some of your book, and I really like the character Joe. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's Joe Every is the last name is the character. Every, yes, and that is done on purpose, to represent every man. Yeah, I actually thought it was a great pun because it's like the everyday Joe. I loved it. And why did you decide to write the book in this manner instead of a traditional kind of how-to guide? This is really important. Most self-help books, we read them, we read the words, we skip over them, we go, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a thought. But until we become aware of our own internal space, our physiology, our emotions, our thoughts, that we can read these words, and sometimes they trigger positive things. But what if we could experience these shifts through the eyes of somebody who's struggling with it and fighting with it? They represent the parts of ourselves that are fighting for this comfort zone that no longer serves us. And that, along with the exercises in the book that allow you to experience that along with Joe, I'm trying to overcome the challenge that most self-help books have by giving you the experience as you read the book. What I liked about it is that Joe seems like a lot of people that I do know who's pretty angry with money and they're angry with their life and they're angry at people who have money and then they vilify everything out there. It was a pretty great read and I I appreciate how you sculpted him. Well, what you're pointing out is, is my goal is to identify with people. In other words, if I can see them as they are, accept them as they are, and accept and love Joe as he is, and they can identify with Joe, then we have a chance to introduce and invite them to a new set of thoughts and beliefs and that match their core values and their goals, that all of a sudden they can step into that world and actually make a difference in their lives. Well, Richard, I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you and your book? Conversations 
money. You can go there and learn how to access the course. It's no charge. Uh, my mission in life is to give everybody an invitation to a better relationship with money. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends. 